Hi, friends. Hey, friends. I'm, I'm Carly. And I'm Katie. And welcome back to another 220-somethings Tuesday. Wait a minute. It's not Tuesday. It's Friday. Yay. Yay. <laughs> A fun Friday special episode. We love. We're so, so, so excited to be back. Um, so excited that we decided to post a couple days before our regular Tuesday. Um, just to just to give our loyal listeners um something something for your Friday. Um, because we do feel all um all three of you, thank you, gang soul here. You, no, no. I think we're up to like seven now. So shout out. Thank Sorry, I can't forget the four of you. Sorry, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I think we just wanted to take the first like small chunk of this episode to just kind of explain where we're at. I know for those of you that follow our Instagram, we've tried to be upfront on there of just how crazy life has been for the both of us the last several weeks. Um, but yeah, just talking about it in real time because um, life just keeps on going. Yeah, this is actually the first time Katie and I have really talked and had a real conversation in a long time, and that's really weird for us. We both were sitting here, we're like, we've talked every day, yes, but it, they haven't been real conversations. We're just like, I miss you. Literally, yeah. It'll be like a couple messages a day, and we even, like, I mean, this is us getting really vulnerable, but, like, we sent a message to each other, like, I don't know, probably like a week ago, where we were like, hey... I'm going through stuff. I'm sorry if like I haven't been there for you or like haven't, you know, like it was just this like good friendship moment of like acknowledging and and seeking grace from the other friend of just like, hey, I know I haven't been the best and like kept up, but like I'm going through something. And it was just, I don't know. I really appreciated that moment between us because it was like, oh yeah, like it's okay that I'm going through something and it's okay that someone else is also going through something. <laughs> Yes, and just, like, I love having adult friendships, you know, where you can communicate like that, and, I mean, if we don't talk every day, we're still going to be friends, but I love that it was abnormal for us, and so we just acknowledged that, and we're like, hey, I still love you, and I'm sorry I'm, like, neglecting our friendship, but I'm sick as fuck, and school's a lot, <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah and it also yeah I feel like I'm kind of painting this picture of like something really dark and that you know could totally be the case for a lot of people for me it's just been like crazy like I don't even know how else to describe just not even just busy like there have been some downtime but I think for both of us like we're working and school full-time and during the summer and like beginning of fall like wasn't a ton I think for me my first class was kind of like an intro review course so it wasn't a ton of work and the end of summer in PR is like not super busy but fall and this second class hit me like a ton of bricks and I would go from like eight full hours of work like glued to my computer to like four hours of reading and writing a paper glued to my computer for school yeah and it just became like overwhelming. are necessary. Yeah. <laughs> and ibuprofen and like water and like healthy food. But then I get stuck in the, the torpedo of like, 
yeah, I don't have time to cook, so I'm going to run a Taco Bell and also Baja Blast, like, love the caffeine and, like, makes my heart happy. So it's, like, such a balancing act of, like... That's me with Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's and just then, my... And then I've, like, just, just ranting real quick or venting, whatever. Yeah. Um, I've, like, associated Starbucks, like, drinking my Starbucks with being productive and doing my homework. So it's, like, oh, I'm going to be productive... I better go get my Starbucks. It's like, no, babe, you don't need to spend five dollars. It's okay. Oh my gosh, You're fine. Yes, like the total. It's placebo. so bad. Like, yes. okay. Now that I have my beverage of choice, now I can get started. Like, now I'm gonna be productive. Exactly. Yeah. It's so bad. So if any of you have, uh, you know, advice for not spending money, let me know. <laughs> Literally, I. Oh my gosh. Speaking of spending money, um. I promise we'll get to the actual point of the episode soon, but can you tell Carly and I have not caught up in a while? No. <laughs> um, I went to San Francisco this last weekend. I mean, we haven't talked for the last like four weeks really, but this last weekend I went to San Francisco to visit um, one of my best friends. Actually, she was on the pod, Zoe. Um, I was like, you can name her. I know. <laughs> Our listeners know. Yeah, they do. So I went to go visit Zoe in San Francisco and it was one of the best weekends ever. You know, we're like, you're super busy for a week and you have plans on the weekend and you're like already exhausted because you're like, I mean, you are already tired. And then you think about how you don't have a break for that weekend because you're like traveling or doing something and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm already exhausted like into next week kind of. I had that feeling before I went and because I was like taking a plane, like haven't been on a plane in several months, like that sort of thing. And it ended up being the most, like, rejuvenating, like, healing weekend ever. I don't understand how because it it was so much energy. Like, we did a lot. I spent a lot of money, which is – That's okay. What made me want to talk about it because I'm like, yikes. But, like, yeah, I just came into this week feeling so much better because I, like, truly unplugged from my life and the everyday things that had, like, bogged me down for, like, three full weeks. Um. So anyways, happy to be here. Feeling a lot better. It's so yeah, it's so important to just like step back and take a deep breath. And I honestly some of it too, I was like, oh my gosh, I really miss doing the podcast because it's helped my mental health and given me an activity, you know? Yeah. And it's like all I've been doing is homework, work, study, go to school. And it's like, oh right. I, I, I can do things I want to do as well. I just don't have time. So here I am and it actually does help me. So thanks everyone. Yes. I know. We're both so happy to be back. Um, before we head into the episode, just one disclaimer that we did want to share going forward. I know this will not shock anyone because we haven't posted in three weeks, um, but going forward, we will most likely start doing every other week um just so that we don't have to keep posting and like disappointing people of like just kidding it's there's no episode tomorrow or this week or whatever um mm-hmm. so yeah sorry to break your hearts yeah i but i feel like it'll be better content and we'll be able to be more professional about it and like hey it will be every other week instead of every week i promise and then it's just like shit and yeah. we want to actually put out good stuff <laughs> exactly and and not like force ourselves to do this but have it be something that we like look forward to and and want to carve out like that time every other week exactly. to do so 
So that's that. That's our little spiel and catch up moment. Appreciate you guys standing by us as we just figure out our lives because being a 20 something man, there's a lot to it. So yeah, thanks everyone for sticking with us. Um, We're excited to put out better content. Unfortunately, it'll be less often, but it'll be better content. Um, We're just, we're just building up the the suspense and the tension. We're just making people wait for our content. So we're that Um, good. Speaking of uh, suspense, this is a spooky episode today, everyone. Um, what is originally I, supposed to air on Halloween? Just so oh, knows. yeah, I should say that this was supposed to air on Halloween. I actually realized I brought this up like in our first episode. I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna do a true crime case on Halloween, and then I let everyone down and I got RSV. Anywho, this is the true crime crime case of Israel Keys. Bum, bum, so- bum. <laughs> Um, yeah, so how this is going to work is pretty much um, I wrote up a whole script about Israel Keys, and I'm ju- just going to read it to Katie, and Katie's going to react or questions or just, you know, chime in with what she thinks. Um, so, yeah, th- that's how this is going to go. Yeah, I, I have not looked at Carly's notes at all. Like, I have – I didn't even know the name before she said it. Like, I don't know anything about this, so every reaction will be – in real time and new so i'm excited um so before we begin of course i want to put a trigger warning out there um this is a reminder that this is a spooky episode where we will be discussing true crime and therefore we will be just dis- there will be mentions of white supremacy murder animal cruelty kidnapping burglaries sexual assault and suicide if you would like to skip this episode please do as you need and we look forward to tuning in with you next week I'll pause for a sec to give you all the opportunity to exit out if needed. That being said, let's dive into the horrific life of Israel Keys. So, as an over- overview, Israel Keys was an American serial killer who committed killing sprees across the U.S. from 1997 until his death in 2012. Having admitted to about seven murders to police, Israel is suspected to have had over 11 victims throughout his lifetime, at the least. And I want to mention a little, I don't know if this is like a statistic or what, and I'm pulling this out of my ass and my memory, so it's not going to be perfectly correct, but like the number of murders that serial killers like admit to is actually like compared to how many they have committed is like 200 300 400 percent more than like what they're admitting to yeah i okay i have heard that like i i I believe that just from my very limited knowledge of serial killers but my you saw my face drop when you said 97 to 2012 i was not expecting someone like that recent i just because like you know you always hear about like ted bundy and you know, all the classics <laughs> that are like in the 70s and 80s when like it it was a lot easier, quote unquote, to get away with serial killing. Um, and so, wow, I'm just already shocked that we're talking in the 2010s. Like Usher was king on yeah. the charts when this guy was killing, you know? Yes. Well, just just wait, because well, I'll, I'll okay. Okay, okay. sentence is um, on his childhood and his background. So Israel Keys was born on January 7th, 1978. Um, so yeah, he's younger than our parents. He was born in 1978. 
That's so weird. Yeah. Um, he and his nine siblings, yes, nine. That's nine. <laughs> um I don't even know how to comprehend like a family bigger than like the Kardashians, I like can't even fathom. Like I can't picture that, you know? Yes, and it's he and his nine siblings, so that's ten kids. You're pregnant for nine months. That's ninety months of being pregnant. Unless there are twins and stuff, but I don't know. But pass. yeah. Yeah. Big pass for me. <laughs> Just no. 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 Like I'm struggling no. with the idea of doing it once. So same. Nine times. Same. Yeah. Anyways, um, wow, I'm already shocked at things that have nothing to do with his actual crimes. Amazing. Yeah, just his... Yeah, there's... It gets better. Um. Anywho, he and his nine siblings were raised in the Mormon faith until Israel, the second oldest child and eldest son, was five years old. As his parents left the Mormon faith in 1983, the Keyes family moved to Colville, Washington. Woo! Colville. What a place. The city of Colville was reported to have a population of less than 5,000 people in 2010. So even less back then. (laughs) Thought it'd be even less. Moving to... Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Moving to a small town, Israel was very isolated, especially as he and his large family were living in a one-bedroom house that didn't have any electricity or running water. Things are starting to check out now. Yeah, we're CPS. So this means... Oh, sorry, I skipped a sentence. Um, the Keys family began attending a local church that held white supremacist Christian identity ideals. This means the Key Keys family believes white people are superior and therefore must preserve their privileges as the chosen people of God. So far, really seeming like a great group of people. I'm just big frowning over here mm-hmm. and like grimacing. That's that's tough. That's like there's just no other like there's no other reaction to have just other, a whole lot of red just, flags just like stank face like what yeah bye in order to maintain the instillment of these disgusting beliefs in their children the keys parents decided to homeschool israel and all nine of his siblings an interesting side note is that the Keys family befriended the Kehoe family through their white supremacist church, and the father of this family named Chevy would later be convicted of a triple kidnapping and murder in 1996. So just a really weird connection. Just weird connection. And also, whose name is Chevy? Her. Like, <laughs> sorry if someone's vroom, listening vroom. and their name is Chevy. I do apologize, but that's tough. Yeah. Um, um, people in Israel's life began to see red flags misbehavior when he created a habit of starting fires in the woods, shooting at houses with his BB gun, and then breaking into houses by the age of 14. He even stole guns from these houses and would go on to sell them. An entrepreneur? Amazing. (laughs) Sorry, I cope with trauma through humor and sarcasm, so this is just like... That's like all my reactions are gonna be because I physically like don't know how to process like all the red flags. It's a silly, spooky episode. And that being said, we'll do a therapy session another <laughs> another episode. We'll unpack this episode next time. 
Um, his behavior took a turn for the worse when he began participating in animal cruelty. I will not get into this, but during the specific incident, a local boy was present and the boy was petrified. Israel laughed and did not seem faced whatsoever. This was the first realization, realization Israel had when he noticed he was different. Israel depended his isolation. Oh, sorry. Israel deepened his isolation, which furthered his antisocial behavior. When you are showing antisocial behavior, it's like the first red flags of actually being a psychopath. So, yeah, not looking too hot. A lot um, of red flags. By, yes. A quote said by him during his interrogation uh, when he was eventually convicted and caught. Um, he said, I've known since I was 14 that there were things that I thought were normal and okay that no one else seemed to think were normal and okay. So that's when I just started being a loner. Right. Like, self-awareness is key, but I... seek help, please, yeah. instead of turning to murder, which I presume is what this is leading up to. Unfortunately, it is. Yes. Um, Israel's parents were extreme with their religious beliefs. The children were not allowed to watch movies and play instruments because they were, quote, against God. After an intense argument with his parents, Israel stated he was an atheist, which resulted in his parents kicking him out of their home at the age of 17 and instructing his siblings to never have contact with him ever again. Israel then found an interest in Satanism. I, I really think this guy oh. just needs to, like, not participate uh. in religion. Anyways, um, some other crimes um, of his. By 20 years old, Israel Keys had committed a violent sexual assault against a teen girl who was tuning with her friends in Maupin, Oregon. He originally applied Oregon? as a state. That's yeah, where sorry. I live. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyways, sorry. Uh, he originally had planned to murder her as a satanic ritual, but ended up letting her go after attacking her at night point. The summer following this attack, Israel enlisted in the army out of a city in New Jersey. Israel was awarded the Army Achievement Medal for his service as a gunner before being honorably discharged after three years of service. Yikes. What? Yeah. Well, Discomfort. That was a mistake. <laughs> yes. Israel Here's a badge of honor for to... how you handle a gun. Is Yeah, isn't that frightening? Like... In the context, I'm sure it makes sense, but hearing it in the context of the true crime episode, I'm like, okay. And Problem of his life, yeah. yeah. Uh, Israel then moved to Nia Bay, Washington, where he lived for six years before moving to Alaska in 2007. So now we will get into his conviction. So this his conviction is a specific um, murder. Spoiler alert, he's convicted for murder. Um, but there are other murders he commits before. I just don't want to get into them because we're not a true crime podcast and trigger warnings and everything. So yeah. I'm just going to focus on this one. And we get the gist. He, he did some killing, some cruel, some like, we got not to. Not a great dude. Part. Yeah, not the best. Yeah. Smasher pass, pass. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I cope through humor. It's just problematic. <laughs> you just have to, and I'm right there with you. Okay. Israel Keyes was caught and convicted by police in 2012. Keyes had been living in Anchorage, Alaska, and decided to take action in a crime of opportunity. 
Keyes was not the kind of serial killer to hunt, stalk, and learn about his victims. When a crime of opportunity revealed itself, Keyes would decide to take the chance. On February 1, 2012, Keyes committed his final crime of opportunity. Samantha Koenig was an 18-year-old barista working at a small drive-up coffee stand called Common Grounds, who was finishing up her late evening shift. Her boyfriend was planning on picking up Samantha from her shift on this day, so when he pulled into Common Grounds, he was confused when he found the coffee stand with all of its lights off and Samantha nowhere in sight. His phone suddenly buzzed, and it was a text from Samantha stating that she was going to be out of town visiting friends for a few days and to let her dad know. Quickly realizing this is bullshit, he calls Samantha's dad and the two report Samantha as missing that night. The police contact the coffee stand owners who have never been suspects, and the owners hand handed over surveillance video. Okay, now this video is eerie as fuck, just so you know, and I'm going to have Katie watch this. So we're going to watch this, and then we'll be back. Oh and I'm Okay, this, this whole thing just like took a turn took a turn yeah like i i got i think because like for me the biggest thing like hearing this is the 2012 aspect and like the drive up coffee stand like how many times have i gone to go coffee at like one of those little stands yeah, and or like when i was see her she's she's wearing like uggs and just like i, I literally was picturing uggs like... in my head why i don't know probably yeah. the 2012 that's why but like in anchorage Alaska. yeah 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 <laughs> It's just too real. As a young 23-year-old listening to this, like, and she was even younger, but, like, that's too close to home. So That's interesting, uh, though, because it totally um, flips it in a perspective because, like, I, 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 like, true crime is really, like, an educating learning opportunity, in my opinion, and I've learned so much that, like, I was a barista when I was 20, and I told my boss like I will never work here by myself I need to always have absolutely not I'm not comfortable with that um and she was like oh I agree I don't want anyone here she's like I'm the only one that is gonna ever be here by myself so wild okay yeah we're gonna take a quick well it won't feel like a break to you guys because editing um but I'm gonna watch (laughs) this video um of surveillance and then and then we'll be back to react to it so BRB. Okay, Katie, give us a rundown on what we just watched in that horrific video. I feel very squeamish as I will be saying these things because that just, I mean, obviously, like seeing something that's real, like it's not a reenactment, like it's, it really happened and we know what happens to her. So just letting everybody know that's where I'm at right now. And I feel very weird and sad and like angry and like grossed out. Okay. So the video was about 10 minutes long and it's a video, it's a surveillance video as Carly mentioned, but it's four different camera views in one. So four little squares in a one bigger square. Um, and it looks like the camera views, there's two for inside the coffee shop from basically one at each end. And like, if you picture, I mean, we all know what my mind goes to Dutch bros, but obviously any little like coffee stand it's basically just like a small rectangle so there's like two insides aiming each way and then there's one camera then two facing outside one facing the back door which is like where the employees go and then like the door in and out and then one facing one side basically one drive-through window of the coffee stand so the first like two minutes of the video are just her working it's clearly a closing shift as Carly mentioned 
um, she's just like cleaning around. It's just her lights are on, like she's just cleaning, whatever. And in the background, so in in the side view, so okay, also it's in Alaska, so there's snow outside. So the camera facing the back door is like completely almost like blinded out. Like you can't see anything. It's completely white. Like you can't see anything happening. Um, I think that was um, because there's like a street light or light. Right yeah, like a glare. Fully in it. I'm like, who planned that? Like clearly they don't look at their security footage very often um, or feel like they don't need it because this is a terrible setup, um, which we'll comment on in a little bit, but just set in the scene very detailed for everybody. Um, so on the the outside one that you can see, which is one of the sides, like one of the windows that people can walk or drive up to, you see a figure in black and which the first thing I noticed and said to Carly, like, it's already really creepy, obviously, because I know what was going to happen. But with it being a very like stark white, um, like ground because of the snow, there's a figure dressed in all black and just walking towards the stand. So it's like complete white outside. And then there's just like one person all in black, just like walk, almost like Slenderman vibes, you know? Um, yes. Which, it actually is. Yeah, which actually, funny enough, 2012 was, like, when that was, like, what people talked about in, like, middle school. Anyways, weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, like, the first two minutes. And then you basically – so I, I, I didn't know this when we started watching the video. Carly goes – because we were watching at the same time, and she was, like, you don't actually see him very much. Like, you don't see his face. And I was, like, what? Like, I was expecting it to be this, like, blatant him – kidnapping her like aggressive all the things and it is that at a certain point but it starts with just clearly you just see her reaction because there's two the two clearest cameras are the ones aimed inside the coffee stand so you see her startled by something clearly at the window and she immediately like puts her hands up and kind of like backs away really quickly so that's like your first sign that something's there the biggest thing watching for me, as you had said a little bit, was watching like her going from just doing her routine of closing up the stand, cleaning to all of a sudden turning like, oh, I have a customer. And then this immediate like she has terror written all over her face. Her hands are up. She's backing away. And it's like just that 30 minute transition or 30 second transition is terrifying. Yeah. Like like just complete more than 180 turn of, I don't want to say vibes, that's so nonchalant, but like something's clearly very wrong. But what's so concerning, I mean, not just that something's happening, but that you really can't see what's happening because there's no camera view of that side, like that walk-up window. It's only the other one where nothing's happening. It's just snow outside and peaceful and whatever. But you can actually. See- what there is stuff happening in the other camera oh yeah there's a car and there's a few people just like yeah killing not like right next to the coffee stand probably what 100 yards away or something yeah but like right there you can definitely tell either these people are just stupid and like don't watch or listen to their surroundings or he's israel like is really hushing her up like she's not screaming he's like i'll i'll tell you more okay 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 I'll try and speed this up because, but anyways, the next like probably four to five minutes of the video, you can just see the threat coming from him. And like, there's no sound on this video. So this is all just coming from body language, which as a comms person, I found very interesting. Um, 
just from yeah like a study point of view of like there's so much fear this this feels weird to talk about I this is why like true crime isn't necessarily my thing because I feel weird like dissecting it like this but I know it's one of the reasons you like it so it's just interesting um like there's just so much fear coming from her and you can just see like she goes to the cash register which picks out the cash so clearly he's like holding a gun like threatening her like wanting the money um and then he basically this is when it starts to get real creepy like where i just started to like be like i'm gonna vomit um he he kind of leans and of course he's wearing a mask like he's wearing a black black big black coat so you can't tell really who this is but he starts to like lean through the window the walk-up window and yeah he's not in a car oh yeah no no no. i i feel like i said that but maybe i didn't he's yeah just his person he's just um yeah just standing he was standing there and like pointing the gun through the window and then he starts to like push himself through the window basically and tie her up like she's like sitting or like kneeling or whatever on the ground um right in front of the walk-up window inside the coffee stand and he pushes himself just through the window um and completes so easily yeah just that's the part and i'm like still processing obviously like i was telling carly like it it's so violating because that's like such a a a norm and a cultural and like social rule again like comms like theories are coming up of like you don't you don't go through the window like it's not a door like there is a door to the building like you don't and and to have that be so understood universally and to have someone force themselves through it like in a harmful i just watching that happen was like so Mm -hmm. i just couldn't even imagine what's going through her mind like i would black out there's no thoughts to even be like you're not getting out of that you're so the victim oh you're in fight flight or freeze yeah which like then there's no way to to flee i mean because she didn't know if there were other people out there like if she walked ran through the back door right like and he has a gun so like he could just come around the back and just shoot her you know so if you're trying to think of ways to preserve your life so basically the video ends he like pushes her ahead of him as she's tied up hands behind her back um they walk out the back door and that's how you can tell that the kind of glared out camera angle is the back door because you in the corner of it see like this dark like the corner of the like door hood. oh and yeah like well, you see like the door open. there's like a little bit of of motion and you can just tell like oh that's them walking out the back door and then in the camera angle of the side building that you can see um they're just walking and again it's that like but- stark white like snow layer on the ground and just now two black figures like walking across this like a big parking lot and they look like they're just a couple of friends just walk into the car i can't even i yeah yeah and the when they are leaving um the coffee shop out of the back door and that back camera doesn't get him it just somehow like because he's pushing her out in front of him and he exits the she walks through the door and then he exits through the door and she turns and looks at the stand and looks at him and the camera just like perfectly gets her face and like that the picture of her face is like stuck in my head forever it's just so sad 
I can't even, yeah, that's gonna be, um, I need therapy after watching that. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. Hookups. Like, <laughs> don't, uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's the video that we just watched. Um, so please continue. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, back to, um, her boyfriend gets this text from her and is like, this is baloney, and then tells her dad, and they tell the cops, and they got the surveillance video, so... At this point in time, the cops are informed about Samantha's disappearance and have watched the surveillance video, so clearly they know something is very wrong. The case goes nowhere for two and a half weeks when Samantha's boyfriend receives a text from Samantha saying, Connor Park sign under pickup Albert H.C. Purdy, which I'm guessing that's just like someone mem- 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 remembered hello at the park. No. Um, wait, wait, so wait, her- repeat what you just said. What was the text that he Sorry. got? says Connor Park sign under pick of Albert H.C. Purdy. So it's very random, but like, obviously she's from here, the boyfriend's from here, and like, they probably know this park. It's probably local. That's all it says. So he knows he has to go to Connor Park and look for a picture of Albert H.C. Purdy, and there should be a sign underneath that picture and he needs to go find it okay got it got it got it that makes sense terrifying it's like a movie yes but real life yes scary so her boyfriend is confused by this but he decides he has to follow the text of course is he bringing a SWAT team with him or well he tells the cops yeah sorry i should yeah so they get to connor park and at connor park right where the text stated he finds a ziploc bag pinned underneath the picture and inside the bag there is a ransom note and a picture of samantha with the current day's newspaper this picture is really really sad and i'm gonna have you look at it no okay 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 so i'm gonna have i'm gonna put it at the top of our uh you see it so just explain what you're looking at so i'm looking it's really fuzzy yeah Yeah. it's taken on a polaroid so that's why it's oh okay so when you were describing in the words and maybe the readers or readers listeners also (laughs) thought of this i thought you were saying it was a picture of her and then there was i i pictured a clipping of the newspaper of that day like Oh, in addition to like no no no, it's good like I just that's how my brain interpreted what you were saying but the picture is actually a Polaroid picture of her and in the picture he's holding the newspaper in front of her so it's clear that like it had to be taken today because that's when the newspaper came out um and she looks it's black and white she looks hollow like that's how I would say like we're beyond like scared it's like the deepest fear in her core and almost like like she's defeated like there's no there's no hope and this is two and a half weeks later oh my gosh I forgot about that I mean she doesn't look good like is there any information on like did he feed her or we don't worry okay. i will i assumed that's why it. i didn't so, yeah we will come back to this photo which um we will link 
down in our um, episode notes if any of you want to go watch the video or look at this photo. But yeah, please just, as you're hearing from Katie's reactions, please just beware. Yeah. Um. So now back to the ransom note. The ransom, sorry, did I say there? it was this picture of her left with a ransom note? Yeah. At the park. Yes. Okay. So the ransom note stated that $30,000 must be deposited into Samantha's bank account. And the family luckily was able to work with the FBI and the bank to pull off $30,000. And the bank put surveillance onto Samantha's bank account to see what happens with this money. So finally, after a few days, withdrawals from her account began happening throughout Anchorage, Alaska, and they're watching it pop up all over. Right. So the FBI, the FBI is watching where these withdrawals are happening. But by the time an officer is sent to these different locations, Samantha's abductor is nowhere to be found. A few days later, Samantha's card locations began popping up in Arizona, then New Mexico, then Texas. So her abductor is clearly on the run and making their way throughout the U.S. So the Anchorage police inform the Texas locations that they are watching a car that was used at their store and in return received lots of surveillance video footage. And a pattern that they notice in all of this surveillance video is there's a white Ford Focus that is driven by a masked man in several of them um a highway patrolman in texas was on the clock driving his route when he noticed a white ford focus and so thankfully remembering what the anchorage police had said he decided to follow this vehicle until he could pull him over when the officer gets a driver's registration and license so they eventually did the driver did a traffic violation and he pulled him over so when the officer gets the driver's registration and license the card is an Anchorage, Alaska license, and the name of the man says Israel Keys. So the officer immediately is like, oh no, this is an Anchorage guy. And the white Ford Focus, like, you're done. This like, is not. Yeah. Yeah. So the officer searches his Ford Focus and he finds a gun, a blast, a black mask, and Samantha Koenig's debit card and cell phone. But Samantha herself is still missing. So the police are able to hold Israel Keys on fraud charges due to using Samantha's debit card, and the question and air interrogation of Keys begins. So Israel Keys says to the police, you shouldn't expect Samantha to come home because she's already dead. In fact, she's been dead pretty much this entire time. So of course the cops are like, where the fuck did this picture come from then with the current day's newspaper? Like, did he prop up on? her dead body? So they ask him about it, and this motherfucker replies, I took that picture of her two weeks after she died. I went on a Caribbean cruise with my family and left her body in the shed. When I got back, I sewed her eyes open with fishing line and took the picture. Then I cut up her body and disposed of it in a lake. I'm sorry, what the fuck? So now when you look at that picture, you really understand. It's horrible. I'm sorry. I real time reaction. I'm I'm unwell. Yeah, this like guy... my stomach hurts. I'm tearing up. Like this is this is a bad case, and thank God this is when he is convicted because this, yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, if you go look at this picture, just keep that in mind. But also. Don't look at it if you won't be able to handle that with yeah. what you're actually looking at. Oh my gosh. 
Anywho, so further interrogation, Keyes said that he decided a coffee stand would be the perfect place to abduct his his next victim at because he knew most baristas working the evening shift were young, female, and alone. When he arrived at Coffee Grounds, the stand she worked at, Keyes pulled a gun on Samantha and forced himself into the stand where he tied her hands with zip ties and took her away in his car, a white Ford Focus. He admits that Samantha broke free for a second and cried for help, but he tackled her to the ground and put her in his car before anyone can see anything, which is so sad because we saw how close people were. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the, you, in the video, you don't did see they the drive tackle. away before? They drove, that car drove away before they walked out, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But just so knowing they, that, like, someone was right there and that this was probably near other businesses, like, coffee stands are always by other businesses. And coffee stands don't close that late. No. Like, like maybe 10 p.m. But this is, okay, even that's really late. I know, like, that's what Dutch I'm saying. Bros like, that's closes, like a Dutch Bros thing. Yeah. Yeah. In Dutch Bros, you're never working out alone. If you're at a small yeah. stand that you could be working out alone, you're probably working until maybe 7 p.m. at the yeah. latest. Yeah. And um, we have to keep in mind that this is Anchorage, Alaska. It gets so dark so early, and this is in November. Yeah. So according to Israel Keys, Samantha stopped putting up a fight after he convinced her that he was just using her to get ransom money from the community was so sad and that's why i was saying he he does like convince her that i mean like convince is a loose term i'm sure because like what's the point of fighting that someone the moment you're in your abductor's car like uh, yeah you're done i i don't mean to say that flippantly but like there's your your odds are so low like literally what do you do there's nothing you can do and she, well, it honestly, sounds like she, she tried, like it, she tried to break free and yell for help and then it just didn't work. So, yeah. well, part of why I wanted to do this was because, I mean, this stuff is, yes, it's interesting to me, but, it, and I'm not, I don't want to just like do this episode to be fucking horrible and sad, but I also wanted to just talk about this because this is a fear that people live with every day of what's going to happen to me you know just a reminder to be so in tune with your surroundings and that it is always okay to be rude to keep yourself safe yeah and just understanding like I was talking with someone not too long ago um about serial killers you know light conversation um as one does yeah because I had just watched the John Wayne Gacy tapes on Netflix that one's pretty good pretty pretty see I haven't even watched that I'm it, not into watching pretty, I'm into like listening yeah so see I'm more of the watching you're the opposite but so, yeah it's so funny because contrary to my reactions to this I think here's here's where it is and I've said this kind of throughout the episode but my point of all this I'm saying is I don't have a problem watching, first of all, I like watching true crime things because I, I like the the evidence, the, the visual evidence. I like the real life videos and photographs. Like, I think that's more interesting. And you and I have, you and I have had this conversation where you like the reenactment ones. Um, yeah, because I like the psychology of it and the childhood of this. Yeah, exactly. Go through. Exactly. I don't believe people are born evil. No, no, no. There's reasons. Um, but 
the reason I think this one affected me so much is one, we're going like it's coming from you. And so it's like kind of an intimate like setting, but mm-hmm. it's we said this at the beginning, like it's very close to home, which is why you're bringing it up to kind of have this larger conversation of mm-hmm. like this was 2012. And what I was talking about with this person not too long ago was I said like, yeah, it was a lot easier to be a serial killer, you know, in like the 70s and 80s when tech wasn't very advanced and like information didn't travel as fast, which like there is some truth to that. That's that's how a lot of people got away with things because information took days to get to different people, that sort of thing. But this happened in 2012 and 2012 up until now, like there were security cameras, you know, there was a way of of keeping track of bank statements and being on track tack, on top of those things and yet it still happened and this to something else that put this in perspective for me is this is november of 2012 like exactly a month before the world was supposed to end <laughs> and i like completely remember that time in my life because i was low-key legitimately scared the world was gonna end and so like looking at her in the coffee stand I'm like oh my gosh yeah I was in eighth grade I was running cross country like stuff like that you know yeah whoa yeah I I, it's it's very like sobering and like a somber thing to understand that this still happens like it's one thing to say it and say like yeah I understand people you know, there's still murder cases, there's still things that happen. And like, you know that as a human, like you're aware that that these kind of, but you think of them as like freak accidents, like just like, well, that's one in a million. It could never be me. Yeah. Totally. But it's not. And they are getting smarter and sex sex traffickers are getting smarter. You know, you got to watch for zip ties on your car doors. Like it's so horrible. And even when someone... I see someone on the side of the road that like clearly needs help or their car's broken down or something. I'm like, I wish I could be a good person and offer to help you. And I wish a good person would offer to help me if that was me, but everything is a fucking scam or and like, it's okay trying to, to hurt you. Yeah. It's okay to put yourself first in those situations. Yes. Like, always. If something yeah. feels wrong, please trust that tiny bit of your gut. Yeah. Yeah. And just adding to you know, you were saying like, it's okay to be rude. Like, absolutely. And it's okay to ask for a buddy, like Mm -hmm. to, and to stand your ground when you're like, no, I'm not going to drive by myself that late, or I'm not going to like walk to you. I don't know. Like just normal things that like the person asking you, like it totally could be between your friends. Like I'm thinking like, I just went downtown a couple weeks ago with my friend and we were just walking between bars and if she was like, oh, I'm going to go across the street and like, you know, you meet me there in a few minutes or something like that. Like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to be like, no, yeah. let's, let's work this out. You know? Um, I don't even let my friends go to the bathroom alone. No. I'm coming us, in there with you. Us girls are usually pretty good about that. <laughs> but yes. just but roll of so, It's so true just to like be cautious, you know, and this is so scary and unfortunate to say but if you do feel like someone is risking your life and being weird around you and you have your phone take a picture of them record them do anything you can because whether you are alive or not that's going to come in handy totally 
Yeah. And that's actually how they recently caught um, a murder of two teenage girls, which is really sad. But she was really smart and took a picture of him and recording on her phone. And then they the cops found her phone and that's how they found him. A hero. Yeah. And I don't smart. say that yeah. Oh, yeah. A smart young mm-hmm. gal. I know. So sad. But yes, everyone be fucking rude if it means saving your life. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, Israel Keys, Israel Keys died by suicide while incarcerated on December 2nd, 2012, when he was 34 years old. He took his life before his trial date, so he was never sentenced. That is so frustrating. Yeah. What a cop out. I know. I wow. hate him. So, that being said, I am going to show you what this guy looks like. Yeah. Okay? Okay. I don't know so... what my reaction's going to be to this. Again, disclaimer to everybody, I have not seen what this guy looks like because the stupid video footage at the coffee shop mm-hmm. didn't show him. Not what you pictured, huh? Oh my gosh. Like, I could name 10 dudes um, I've met in Bellingham yeah. that look like this. I Bellingham did come to mind. No offense to Bellingham. That's just like... No, he's like, he's, he's young. Okay, he's so to put it, like, to describe he's it. He's wearing he's a skinny, sunglasses at a fun white boy. barbecue. Yeah. That is wearing a beanie and a flannel. With like a like a necklace and the other picture is he's wearing this leg around his neck like having a fun time at a barbecue with like a big smile on his like face. at a day party or something like yeah and on top of this the cherry on top he had a long-term girlfriend and a young daughter living in alaska this entire time and neither of them had any idea of the monster he really was I wish people could see my face right now. Yeah. I'm I, I'm floored. I can't e- I mm-hmm. I hope like to, to some people this protected. might not like to some people this might not surprise them, but like for someone that like didn't know anything about like I'm really glad that this is all like real reactions cuz like I first of all He's a, like, he doesn't look 34. He looks younger. He looks, I mean, these pictures, these pictures are a little younger. Um, But, like, he's killing. He's a murderer in these pictures. He has been killing for a long yeah. time. Um, and, yeah, like, looking at these, I'm like, dude, I would probably be your friend. If I met you in Bellingham, I would, I would probably be your friend. Or Yeah, or at least just cordial. Like, you know, see him at a party. Yeah. Like- at a bar or something he looks like... he looks so normal like you you picture this like scary monster guy and my gosh carly i'm yeah. shook i'm like yeah so thank you everyone for listening oh and my god like yeah big <laughs> i mean like, too late just... now i'm gonna put this in the description big trigger warning like Mm-hmm. I signed up for this, obviously, and I'm very glad I learned about it because I do think, as you mentioned, this is a really big educational moment, too, because it was so recent. It's not like you're pulling something out from the 60s. It's like this happened in our lifetime and this could easily happen to any one of us listening. Um, but this is not for for the like 
faint of heart. Like this is. I know. I told you I was nervous about doing this, and I kept saying like, I didn't believe you. I I didn't believe that it was this like kind of hard hitting. But I mean, again, I'm glad I know about it. I wanted it to be, yeah. Like she was just in coffee stand. Like I used to be a barista. Like that's yeah. just really eye opening. Yeah, yeah. This was this was heavy. So I appreciate all of you for just you know hanging in there. And if you needed to leave, I respect that and I love you. Absolutely. And... I'm about to go yeah, turn on was... like Hannah Montana or something like <laughs> lighthearted yeah. to like cancel it out, but. But yeah, yeah, thank you for doing all the research and for oh, yeah. putting this together. No I, wonder the I last couple weeks do... were dark for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, seriously. No, it's been a lot. And I mean, if if this is interesting, I would love to do like another episode on this or maybe like more like conspiracies and stuff. Cause... Yeah, I mean, I'm going to need a couple weeks in between to do something oh, please. a little lighter. <laughs> but I yes. do agree. And this yeah. is, I mean, obviously we know this is kind of running over our normal amount of time. One, you know, we missed a couple of weeks. So yay, here's some extra time for everybody <laughs> hearing us talk. Um, but also like want to give the story, not give him justice, but give her justice give for justice. Um, everything that happened and, and a good learning opportunity as we've named. So thanks. If you've gotten this far, Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, And thank you to Carly for putting this together. Um, And also, sorry, everyone. (laughs) We put the trigger warning. Yeah, but yeah, really, everyone, thanks so much for listening. And we've missed doing this for you. And we look forward to checking in with you in a couple weeks. Yes, we'll be back. We will. Bye, friends. Bye, friends.